0: Hi, this is the Maria in the Middle Podcast, and I'm Lazelle Maria Sai. This podcast is where I explore the messy and the meaningful and everything else in the middle. Hi, this is Lazelle from the Maria in the Middle podcast. If you don't know who I am, I am the middle sister, middle child of the Sci-Sisters from the Sci-Sisters Talk Therapy podcast. If you've never listened to that podcast, I'd encourage you to listen just for the pure amusement, but it'll also uh, maybe give you some insight into who I am and why I've decided to start this podcast. So not only am I the middle child, I'm also, um, Maria is also my middle name. And therefore, that's where the name of the podcast comes from, Maria in the Middle. And it also speaks to um, where I am in life. I'm um, in middle age, mid-age. I'm 49. I currently live in Connecticut. Um, I grew up in Southern California with my sisters. And uh, I moved to Connecticut about almost 20 years now. In 1997, I moved out here uh to basically start a new life. I was m- about 27 when I moved out and uh this podcast will probably talk about my adventures or misadventures from um both when I grew up in California, went to school in California, went to law school in California and then moving out east to uh basically live a lot of my adult life here. So this is the first episode and in Putting together the first episode, which is very unscripted, uh, I started to think, well, what topic could I talk about? You know, first episode, there's not much pressure there. Um, And I went from something from going something to very light uh, to possibly maybe something more controversial. But that's not really what this podcast is about. Light meaning, for instance, Uh, About a week ago, I was out to dinner with my friend in West Hartford, Connecticut. And in the span of 10 minutes, um, I sort of had this, and we were out to dinner on a Thursday, and I had this strange uh, throwback Thursday flashback to the 1980s. Um, And I grew up in the 1980s. I'm a child of the 1980s. And as I was leaving the parking lot, I saw a mint condition white Datsun 300ZX which if you don't know what that is, if you don't know what a Datsun 300ZX is, Google will be your friend and it's the car I lusted for when I was first learned how to drive. So this car was in production uh probably the late 70s definitely through the 80s and uh, Datsun became uh, Nissan. That was the brand it became. And there is an iteration of the Datsun 300ZX in the Nissan brand. So there's a little bit of auto geek talk right there. But anyway, I see this beautiful, uh, again, mint condition 300ZX and I'm taking pictures of it from my car. Um, and I was like, wow, like I haven't seen one of these in ages. Where did this come from? So I just then, you know, took my little pictures, posted it on Facebook, and I drove away on my way back home up north to um, up through 91. And literally like five minutes from leaving that parking lot, I see on the highway a bumper sticker. The truck in front of me had a bumper sticker that said Reagan for president. And and so I'm at this point, like my mind is blown. Um, Not only did I see a Datsun 300ZX, and it still had the name Datsun on it, not Nissan, Datsun. And then I'm looking at this um, truck in front of me and I'm stuck in traffic. So I can't help but stare at this bumper sticker that keeps like flashing in front of me as he's putting on the brake lights that says Reagan for president. And I thought, aha, I had an aha moment. I could talk about the 80s and how I grew up in the 80s and how, you know, Breakfast Club is my favorite movie and uh, the music, Madonna, uh, all the new wave music, Duran Duran. I mean, I could go on, Paul Young, which I still listen to, which was on my, which was one of the CDs I had playing in the car when I, you know, had this experience last week. And then I thought, well, what could I talk about from the 1980s? Um, having grown up through it, um, having very fond memories, I thought, well, all I would need to do be wearing right now is that, you know, slouch one shoulder flash dance sweatshirt with some leg warmers. And that about completes my 1980s experience, you know, in within 15 minutes. So although I could probably talk about the 1980s and reflect fondly on memories, I'm 100% sure that a retrospective on VH1, MTV, or whatever show there is going on in cable these days would do a much better job on the 1980s than I ever could. And I couldn't do justice to that decade except to perhaps refer to or... um, look fondly on memories from my childhood. So whatever I had to say on the 1980s, I probably just said it. Um, And that would not make for a very uh, interesting um, episode. So then I thought, well, why don't I do something a little bit heavier or meaty or chunky? And given what's going on right now in politics, I thought, well, I could broach that topic. And then I thought, well, but that's not really what I want to do. It's not really what the intent of this podcast is. So, and then I was like, well, what could I talk about? What would be my unique bent on politics if I decided to go down that route? And I was thinking about my very first cognizant moment of politics. And at the time, I wasn't even sure. Uh, I I didn't know at the time that it would be my first sort of uh, experience in politics. And this would be late 1970s. I was quite young. I was about six years old. And um, we were in front of the television watching a debate. I knew it was a debate because, um, you know, there were two folks. It was almost like watching, uh, a boxing match. You could tell by the, the audience around me. Um, my uncle Fred was there, uh, and eerily enough, uncle Fred comes up in the Seister's talk therapy podcast once in a while. And, and now he's making an appearance in this one, which is a little bit bizarre, but, um, well, we watching this debate, and it was the debate against Gerald Ford, uh, Jimmy Carter against Gerald Ford, he turns to me and he says, who are you rooting for? And without even giving it much thought, and I remember this vividly, I said, well, Gerald Ford. And he says, Gerald Ford? Why Gerald Ford? And I said, well, because his name is Gerald Ford, like Geraldine, and Geraldine's the name of my little sister. So that was the extent of my first sort of cognizant moment of politics. And if you fast forward from there, I, the very first political campaign I uh, was aware of or participated in in some small way was when I was in college at UCLA. And um, I don't know if this is going to be embarrassing or uh, revealing, but um, Michael Dukakis at the time, so this would have been late 1980s. Michael Dukakis came on campus and my roommates and I at the time um, went to the the rally and had the signs and were avid Michael Dukakis supporters. And I believe my first ballot cast was for Michael Dukakis. So, um, you know, and then you fast forward to now, I definitely have my political leanings, political beliefs. But I'm not a particularly vocal person in my politics. I I have firm beliefs that I've, uh, you know, have progressed um, since the Gerald Ford days. And they do change. It's not like, you know, um, I take one position and it hasn't changed over time. And I reckon it'll continue to change as I grow older. Uh, but I'm not here to sort of... Uh, I'm not a pundit in any way, and if you turn on the television, turn on CNN or ABC, CBS, whatever's you know, news is out there. There are enough people, and there are a hundred uh, thousands of podcasts talking about politics, and I'm not sure I'm qualified uh, to add to that mix. And I don't think, other than the two stories I just talked about have much of, uh, insight into politics other than my own political beliefs. Um, I also believe that people at some point make up their mind on a very personal, uh, basis based on how they grew up, their own personal experiences. And that's more what shapes somebody's political, uh, uh ideology in the, uh, rather than listening to some pundit or some person like me talking about it on um, a podcast. So, you know, between the 1980s and politics, what could I possibly talk about? Um, And the the obvious came up, you know, why am I doing a podcast? Who am I? And really, I'm just some random person who is either too shy or too scared to be on YouTube, but has a sort of point of view that um, uh, wants to be broadcast in some way, whether it's with my sisters or through this um, spinoff. And that's kind of where this episode's going. Not only why am I doing this, but really what the intent is behind doing these podcasts, you know, weekly, monthly, whatever interval I, I decide on and have time for. And it came down to basically that in some form or another, I've always engaged in some activity that was, um, about self-reflection or sort of gaining insight into society and into myself. And, um, right, I would say from the very beginning, I started journaling in some form in written form. Um, and what i love to write, uh, the physical act of writing and the ability to write and be able to take sort of what's going on in my brain and do do a brain dump on paper. I love this activity, whether I'm doing it behind a pen or behind a keyboard, I've done it in one form or another. These days, I'm doing it more on um, electronic form, but I still do take pen to paper to journal. And that's one of my activities where it's a lot more private. It's it's reflective. It's where I sort of tease out a lot of the things that ruminate in my head. And I try and make sense of it. When I first moved out to Connecticut, I started a website. And long before there was a WordPress or a blogger, or the term blog even was in existence in our vernacular, I was doing a a web log, as we used to call it before blog took off, and I was doing it mainly to keep my family and friends uh, amused and updated on my adventures or misadventures in Connecticut. It was an exciting time for me and I wanted to be able to memorialize my experience because in some ways. Having left California, it was the first time I ventured out on my own. So in this weblog, now blog, I kept notes on, you know, everything that I, everything new that I came upon, my adventures with my cats, you know, the road trip. Instead of taking photographs, which I also love to do, I wrote, I basically logged everything and those logs are no longer um, published on the internet, I don't think, although they say nothing gets ever erased from the internet, but I've archived those, and oddly enough, and this may come up in a separate episode, I rarely, if ever, look back on my journals. I have shelves of written journals, and I have those archives of my old web blog, and I don't reopen them. I don't really look at them. Once or twice, I may have looked to try and remember a detail from a trip in Spain or Portugal or something like that. But, or to look at my penmanship perhaps, but rarely do I read over them. And yet, they're very important to me. At least they were at the time. They, um, They sort of memorialize things that I thought at the time were important and yet i don't read them reflect you know i don't read back on them a lot so again that's probably a separate episode altogether but in some other form i've done uh videos um those types of things but a podcast just seemed to be sort of a natural extension of that um and when i say i've always been engaged in in this type of activity i've i've have wondered why and i've come to realize You know, I don't have kids. I'm 49, but the likelihood of me having children um, is, you know, probably the most remote possibility there is. And I was thinking, you know, I have photographs of my grandparents and um, people who have passed in my life. And there's something about the human voice, I think, that's that's very different than looking at an image, even a, a video of somebody who has passed. And I may be at that age, or I may be at that point where, as my mentor used to say, I've chopped more wood than I have wood to chop, or I've lived more years than I have years to live. And I often think about, well, how will I be remembered? You know, if I pass before my sisters, how will they remember me? Will they read through my journals? Um, God forbid, or you know, if my mother outlives me, which she probably will, you know, will she remember me from my clutter at the house, my belongings, um, some photographs? I think that having something like this, and it's particularly when I'm doing these podcasts with my sisters. My sister Geraldine has um, two, uh, three kids, two ne- I have two nephews and a niece, and I think well. You know God willing, they will uh live long lives, and how will they remember me, uh who they refer to as Nini, and how will they remember my older sister Fatima? how will they remember their grandmother guagua my they call my um my mother the grandmother guagua, how will they remember us and I thought, wouldn't it be interesting to sort of add um an element of remembrance in some form. Uh, verbally, orally, Um, you know, we've handed down uh, cassette tapes probably from, or or videotapes, long, you know, um, technology has has, has completely um, now outmoded those, but I recall, if you hear noise, that's me taping, or me taping this podcast on the outside, because it's a beautiful day out in the yard, but there is some noise you're going to hear. But uh, speaking of noise and hearing and auditory, I remember hearing a cassette tape with either my voice or my grandmother's voice. It was a voice from the past and it definitely had a different impact on me than seeing an image, even a moving image. And maybe this podcast hopefully will reveal something about me to my nephews or my niece or my sisters or whomever hears this, um, whether I know you or not. But that's not really the reason I decided a podcast. I mean, that's part of it. Um, I like to joke that as a middle child, between two very strong personalities with my sisters and their very dynamic fire signs, and I adore them for that, that as a middle child, you know, maybe having my own platform is the only way I will get heard. But even that's not the truth. Um, it's probably a combination of all of them. But more than likely, it's because I am itching for another uh, activity or uh, mode, let's say, of self-reflection, of um, needing to not just um, uh, gain insight into um, what's going on in the world, but with myself. And I've done that in writing. I've done it now. I'm now doing it in a verbal form. And so it's very exciting for me. And as I get more comfortable in this medium, and I understand the technology and can record an episode seamlessly uh, without, you know, 10 takes or something, I think um, I will get into a groove of what this podcast will be all about. I don't have a goal in mind, I'm more interested in the progress than I am in, um, you know, having some agenda behind this. Um, I think a little bit of it has to do with having something out there that will either outlive me or, um, that my, um, nephews and niece and, and my family can have, um, or, and, um, something for me to do once a week to basically talk about my life very much like the web blog or the blog that I used to keep. This is more um, immediate and it will hopefully memorialize some of my adventures and misadventures and my thoughts very much the way a written journal would in a a podcast you are to categorize um, what it is. And the overarching category for any kind of social or cultural commentary um, is society and culture. But within that category is personal journals. So this is what this is. Maria in the Middle is a personal journal for me. And it's um, an attempt to gain more insight into myself and in the world I live in, um, you know, I was talking to my friend Marnie just a week ago. um, Actually, less than a week ago. It was on Friday. I'm taping this on Tuesday. So it was just a couple days ago that I was telling her, when I say I'm in midlife, what that really means is, um, literally, I have lived 49 years, and I have less than that to live. I mean, I don't think I'm going to make it to 100. um, But Let's say I have like 30 if I'm really lucky and if medicine advances quickly, but that's that in it in of itself, that thought um, humbles you and it makes you much more reflective of your life and the world you live in. And so today, why don't I, um, in an attempt to do that, talk about um awareness and it's very difficult for me to be doing this, talking to myself in an whether i'm outside um or in a room without saying you know i'm I'm aware that I'm doing this, I'm unscripted, but that I'm aware of what I want to talk about, and what I realized was awareness is very difficult to achieve in real time. I do meditate and in meditation the goal is to quiet my mind and the uh uh i guess the purpose of it is in quieting my mind i am you know i the term is mindful but really it's an awareness that i'm become much more aware of the present and if you notice if you ever sit quietly just for a minute Just and listen to your mind. We rarely listen to our mind because our mind is constantly running. But in 30 seconds, like just give it 30 seconds, sit quietly, and you'll notice your mind will touch on various things. It jumps around. And by quieting it, we sort of parse out or decipher what's important in the present. And so I will leave, uh, you know, I will end this first episode with. A story that I heard recently in one of my meditations, and it's about a young girl who goes into a room, a dark room, um, and she thinks she sees a snake in the corner of the room. And the next morning, with light out, you know, uh, she realizes, oh, that's not a snake. It's just a snake. It was like a piece of cloth that was coiled, let's say. So she knows, oh, okay, there is no snake. It just looked like a snake. And then the day progresses and night, you know, night comes again and she goes into the room that's again dark and she sees that corner of the room and again, she thinks it's a snake and she knows she's seen in the daylight that it's not a snake, but is she still afraid because it looks like a snake? And this fear um, in her, it doesn't go away with this realization that in daylight, it's not a snake, it's a piece of cloth. And yet she's afraid of that corner of the room. And I find that a lot of us live that way, or I do. I shouldn't assume about other people, but I do. I know things are real. I know in daylight that there isn't a snake in that corner but in sleepwalking and oftentimes i have slept walk through parts of my life i believe there was a snake in the corner even though in daylight i've known there wasn't and despite knowing that is not real i see um boogeyman in the corner because i have these emotional beliefs that came with childhood that um You know, some some minor trauma or major trauma, regardless of knowing in daylight there's no snake, I still see snakes at night and I'm afraid of them. And the reason I spend a lot of time journaling and reflecting on here um, is to dispel that, to realize, to be aware that those snakes uh, in the dark are really merely um figments of my imagination and that really life is to be lived and we should have no fear or no delusions of what's lurking in corners when we do know better now you know that's the nice story perhaps there really is a snake there there's a, a the only way i would know if there was a real snake somewhere is to be able to distinguish <laughs> Between a piece of uh, cloth that looks like a snake versus a real snake. And so, again, different episode, different time. And hopefully you continue to listen. If, you know, my audience is likely limited to my sisters and some friends. But the remote possibility that someone who doesn't already know me um, and may get to know me, if you continue to listen... That is exciting for me and scary at the same time. Um, But I do hope you listen and you subscribe. And if you are on the Anchor platform, which is, um, you can sign up for free. You can also leave me a message or ask me a question down the line as I start to post more um, episodes of Maria in the Middle. For now, thank you very much. And I hope to speak to you again next week.